Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Booyah! There are a few things in life better than a Friday before a three-day weekend. You got Am that I right? right. You got that right. <laughs> Am I right? I, I forgot it was Memorial Day. Memorial Steve, Day is on Monday. Steve said he's going to Florida this weekend. I'm like, oh, so you're going to miss a show Monday. He's like, there is no show. Like, oh, no yeah, show. No show on Monday. No show just Monday. Plan accordingly. Official. You shouldn't be watching us on, on Monday anyhow. That's it's right. It's going to be a beautiful day. It's a holiday. Go cook Go out something. and enjoy the gorgeous weather. Welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Interesting panel today. I say interesting because producer Earl is now Earl the host. Earl the what Pearl up, brother? Is in the host seat. Hey, I don't know how this works. I just want to say a couple things before we get started. Get it off one, your chest. One thing serious, one thing semi-serious, semi-funny. First and foremost, Steve, you said this is the camera. Child support. This is just a cameo. I am not here for real. So before <laughs> you go making any adjustments, <laughs> this is just a cameo. <laughs> we ain't arrived yet. <laughs> <laughs> but don't go adjusting your monthly yet. Don't go adjusting the monthly. Yet. I got you. Uh, talk to one of my family members. And one of the things that we talked about as I, as I grow up as a professional. Yeah. The fan in me is dying. Right. It but does. I could, I could go back to when I was a fan watching you on ESPN, mm-hmm. knowing that you were from Northeast Ohio. You were my favorite. Thank you. Sir. When I knew this is something I wanted to do. Everybody can read articles on ESPN to CBS. Mm-hmm. I will pay for the athletic to read Jason's articles to separate myself. You're well my done. favorite. <laughs> now you're all my guys. That's I'm a good career choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on the set with my guys. That's man. right. So, yeah. Let's do this. Pitch yourself. It's real. Yeah, it's and real. And we won't let that go to our heads. Yeah. Absolutely not. It's real. Though. But the uh, fan end, I'm dead inside. It's so, dying. It's, it's yeah. like people be asking me, what you think about this? I'm like, I don't. I, yeah. I, I don't. It, it I happens. Don't um, you've been doing it 20, 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Almost 25 I'm 36 years. years in the game. Yeah. I'll be two years in July. You got a long way to go before all those fan cells are completely dead. Yeah. yeah. And my, my, I'm not. I marvel at how Jason can just be like, nope, it's a job. I'm disconnected. Yeah, I, I, don't care. I could never do that. I still can't. Um, I'm a fan. Fans root. Yeah. Um, I had to root internally when I'm sitting in press boxes of World Series games. I can't jump up and scream when the Indians hit a home run. But I never stop rooting. And the pain is real when they lose. Um, I, I hope for your sake, because I know how much you love this, that you never wash that out of you completely. Yeah, I hope not. Because um, I, the, the way we know we're still alive is when we feel the pain of a Game 7 loss. Yeah. And the way we that. know that we're alive is when we feel the exhilaration and the excitement of a Game 7 win. Speaking of that, you, there's no cheering in press boxes. I think None. most people know that. But it's it's still odd for fans to see glimpses of press box video and everyone's just sitting there like corpses. I know. <laughs> but it really is odd. when Rajay hit the home run in 2016, the press box even was like this gasp, this audible yeah, I bet. of, oh, my God, what just happened? What did we just happened. like? There yeah. are still moments where even the dead press come to life and go, wow, yeah. I can't believe we just saw Have that. You- have you guys ever seen someone physically get kicked out of a press box for? I've cheering? seen someone threaten to get kicked yeah. out. They usually will warn you. They make an announcement. Yeah, this is a working and, area. And, and usually, when it happens, you know who it's for. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody looks at them, and then you know that's it. I've yeah. never seen a second. You know, I've never seen that person who'd been warned erupt again and then get tossed. Get a yellow but you, card. It looks like you have. I have, and it was the funniest thing. I've, so at A and M, 
we get one field pass to shoot the game. So yeah. me and Justin, another sports guy, we'd switch. One of us would be in the press box, one would be on the field shooting. They were playing Ole Miss. Elijah Moore is actually on that team. And Ole Miss, there's not a huge Ole Miss like media contingent. Right. But a few of them traveled, and they took the opening kickoff back to like the four-yard line. And this was a must-win game for like they had to win this game to stay in the SEC West hunt. And no joke, like seven seconds into the game, an Ole Miss reporter gave like a, yes, let's go, and like two little claps. And they just carried his ass out. It was wow, really immediate. Zero tolerance. A and M. Harsh. You gotta go. It was the most cordial. Like you gotta get the f out of here ever because it was like two old eighty-five-year-old security guards. Like if this dude had any resistance and wanted to start a scene, he could take the crap out of both of them. (laughs) But he was just like, but uh, 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 fine, I guess. Can you imagine telling your editor or your boss or whomever? I got kicked out. I know we spent cash to send me to College Station to cover this game, but I only saw eight seconds of the game. Literally, it was like the second play, first or second. I mean, play. I got to wow. be honest. The SEC to me is not a bastion of journalism. Like, I yeah, think, I, that's like, why I'm most surprised. Right? Like, come on, man. They're, they're all not a bastion of, of They're all fanboys in there, are yeah, they Yeah, they really like, are. It's uh, the SEC by far of all the leagues. That's the one where. I mean, where, that was a stereotypical broad brush I try not to do, but, I mean, it's the SEC. It's come pretty on. obvious. No, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. All right, busy show today. Uh, we're going to talk Cavs, and we're going to talk Guardians, <laughs> and we're going to talk, oh, my God, and we're going to talk Browns. I had a mouthful of I'm sorry, brother. It's just torturing. <laughs> what they're doing is torturing me. I don't know me. why they were so funny. Slowly torturing me. Um, we're also going to do, uh, well, I'll hold that for just a second because it's our first item. Uh, Bulls bet. This is our last Bulls bet of the day, correct? Last Bulls bet of the day. It may come back with a new sponsor, but. Right. As it currently stands, our partnership with Bet Rivers ends because we have a hopefully impending new sportsbook sponsor. Beautiful. So we may lose Bulls Bet of the Day. They may want to bring it back. We'll see. But today, for the last time ever, I'll pour a cold one out for Bet Rivers. Hey, Ohio, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for every single game. Right now is the perfect time to join Bet Rivers Sportsbook because when you use deposit code SPORTS, you'll receive a second chance bet up to $500. You can get in on all the action with weekly specials on your favorite sports like basketball and hockey to help you win big. Check them out at BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. The end of Bulls run with Bet Rivers is he's not hot. He has been on a cold streak as been. of late. I believe he's lost five of his last seven, and he's going out with Ooh. a bang, taking the money line on two underdogs today, the Rangers against the Orioles and the Marlins at the Angels. Parlay those together. If they both win, if Bull's going to go out hot, that'll give you a hell of a profit. But Bull's taking two underdogs in his final day of his bet of the day with Bet Rivers. Yeah, he has really sort of hit skids here. Is he still plus 500? Yeah, he's, he's now nine games over 500, but it's the first time in, I think, a month and a half he's been single digits over 500. He was wow. up to like 17, 18 games over 500 Ooh. at one point. Okay. And meantime, let's check in on your A's bet. Every single day you bet $10 on the Oakland A's to lose. You're up how much now? Uh, I bet him against the run line. So not just to lose, right. but against the yeah. run line. Uh, they lost last night. or I don't even know what the score was. I know my bet lost, so they either lost by one or one. But I was up $118 as of two days ago, so, so I guess 108 now. All right. So That's still not profitable. Bad. Not bad. But I, Jason keeps telling me I have to increase the unit. Yes. I, I am ready, especially in the summer when now they're officially out of it. I guess they've been out of it since the first week of the season. They're right. the worst team ever. I might go to like 20 to 50 bucks a game. Does it we'll feel, see. because you look at this every day, does it feel that Vegas has made the adjustment 
Yeah, Can it's you? like even minus one and a half. Yeah, got like minus one forty odds. Like they don't even expect it. it's not a great return on investment. But yeah, it's they fun. know what's going on. So I told him a thousand dollars a game, coward. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, if you were a thousand dollars a game, you'd be up a thousand eighty dollars instead of a hundred eight dollars. I just want to know if you're gonna do what uh, Tyvis said. Tyvis told you to bet the whole pot no. last game no. of the year. No, that's how you lose all your money. Yes, that is how that, you that, lose that's all your how money. You yeah, one Lloyd. time my son, we were playing blackjack. We played blackjack for like four hours. Yeah. I'm not kidding. And he got on a hot streak. We were going to quit after about three, but he got on a hot streak about two and a half hours in, and he's like, Dad, I can't leave this table. Yeah. So we stayed on it, and he was absolutely slaying it. I mean, it was like stupid things he was doing, splitting when he shouldn't <laughs> have, hitting when he shouldn't have, everything. He's just winning. It's yeah. just one of those things. Yep. We got done four hours. It's like two in the morning. We're getting ready to walk back to the room, and he said, putting all of it, on black. Oh no. I'm like, Corey, what? He's like, easy come, easy go. Let's do it. He had so many chips. Put them all on black. One spin, it's red. We walk up empty handed. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was nuts. Oh, and he, you, you know, just he broke just, my heart. Now I'm even there. And he was just like, oh well, I'll get him next time. I'm like, Corey, what Corey are you different, doing? Man. Dude, those, Corey built different. Those, I know I what you're pissed. talking about. Those <laughs> yeah. blackjack streaks are rare. I, I know they are. One in my I've, life. I've only approached that uh, that hot zone one time, and it wasn't for as long as his was. Even the deal, they switched the dealers twice. Yeah. Because the pit boss was looking at him going, what the hell is going on yeah. with this kid? Yeah. Because they weren't all smart plays. And he just, he was just like, it's, just, it's gut, Dad. It's gut. It's hunch. I'm hot. Let's go. And so they switched the dealers out. They switched the dealer again way before yeah, it was time to yeah. do it. And he just kept slaying it and hitting and hitting. And it was funny. Even when he wouldn't heavy double down, he was losing. So it's not like he was doubling down on everything and going big on everything and winning. Sometimes he would say, when, when the book would say go, he yeah. would say, you know what? No, I don't feel this one. And, it would hit, and, he, and, and he would lose. Wow. It was just crazy. It was nuts. Okay, um, I love this topic to start. Pro Football Focus every year uh, names their 25 top players in the league under 25. Correct. And we, the Browns have always had a player on the list, at least for as long as I can remember, but not this year, Mike. Do you want to read the list before we talk about it? Or yeah, I'll read the it? list and I'll, I'll set up where I want to go with this. And today's top topic. As always, is brought to us by Lorain County Community College. Your classes, your future. Register for summer and fall classes right now. You can learn more at lccc.edu. All right, Steve, we can take 163 full. This is PFF's top 25, under 25. We'll read through the whole list. At number one is Micah Parsons. Two, Justin Jefferson. Three, Tristan Wirfs. Four, Jamar Chase. Five, Sauce Gardner. And, and, any, any problems with those guys? Because those are clearly uh, th- those. Micah I don't know Parsons. about that Micah Parsons guy. We, we might have to Micah talk Parsons about that. might be one of the top 25 players in the league, oh, period. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm not good. even under 25. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with one through five. I think one through five. Yeah, they're is very solid. solid players, all of them. Six through 10, Creed Humphrey, the Chiefs center. Patrick Sertain, the defensive back for Denver. Rashawn Slater, CeeDee Lamb, and Andrew Thomas. Any okay. issues? I, I didn't, know. <laughs> 11 through 15, you have Jalen Waddell, Jonathan Taylor, Panay Sewell, T. Higgins, and Christian Darisaw, the Vikings left tackle who had a great second season this year. I was a little shocked that Jonathan Taylor was that high. I think Jonathan Taylor, um, he had the great year two years ago, but he fell back huge last year. Um I don't know. I mean, I he guess he was three on their list last year for context. Yeah, but boy, he 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 led the league in rushing two years ago and just laid a huge egg last year. I think that's a little too hot for Jonathan Taylor. But the, I, I got I got to be honest too. Some of these linemen, I don't know. 
Right. I have no idea. It's part of what makes this. I mean, this is obviously offensive, he, offensive heavy. Right. On all of this, so that puts guys that it, d- defensive guys like Martin Emerson at a disadvantage right off the rip. Right. Which I don't know why they would go so heavy on offense. You think they would try to at least split Balance it up it. and yeah, go 13, 12, or whatever. Okay, what's uh, 20, 16 through 20? You got Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, Trevor Lawrence, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London. Four receivers in this five quarter. I'd actually move Wilson up. I would too, and I think I'd move Smith up. And lastly, 21 through 25, Kyle Pitts, A.J. Terrell, Chris Olave, Tariq Woolen, and Trayvon Diggs, which begs the question, Where's Martin Emerson? Yeah, that's a snub. I think, you know what happened? I think they got down to the end of the list and somebody said, guys, we got a, we got all offensive players on here. <laughs> throw a couple. It was throw, give a couple bones. It. Yeah. So they threw a couple in, and you're right. That put Martin Emerson at a huge disadvantage. But, I mean, I don't know. This is one of those things that's really hard to judge because I don't study the league like that. Right. I don't. Right. I, I study the Browns, right. and I study the teams in the Browns division. But, I mean, is he one of the top 25 players under 25? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. 31 other teams would love to have him. Absolutely. And so by that measure, I think he's, you know, he had to be in others receiving votes. He's in the conversation and that's good enough for yeah. like, I don't, I don't get twisted over some of these lists. I think a lot of them are silly, frankly, and it's all just a talking point. It's all just fan bases. My guy got screwed, whatever. It doesn't it's really, clickbait. It doesn't, we took it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I got twisted is because of who put the list out. PFF put this list out mm-hmm. and to me, it contradicted everything that PFF put out throughout the season. Mike, can I get that last slide again, please? Yeah, that's that's a good the la- point. The I'm last glad you slide, went there. yeah. Yeah. So for me, when I look at that last slide, Jay, Jason, it's only one player on that list I can say okay, and that's that's Chris Olave. But check this out: uh, Martin Emerson's PFF grade last year was 72.5, which was 23rd amongst all the DBs. AJ Terrell, 63.9, top of 61st. Tariq Woolen, 69.1, tied for 34th with Greg Newsom. Trayvon Diggs, 67.6, tied for 42nd with Marcus Jones. All below Emerson. All, all, all below, below Emerson. Emerson. Here's, the, here's the other crazy part. We all know Anthony Walker finished with a high PFF grade, but he played three games. Right. Of everybody who played qualifying amount of games, he was second on the Browns to Miles Garrett in overall PFF grade. So how can PFF, the same, the same company, the same entity that released this list, Leave this man off the list after, based on PFF projections. Their own, based on their own metric. Off right. their own metric, right. he exceeded everybody that's above him. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It don't make sense. To it, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, and, I didn't have those numbers. That's really good. I just know going back from watching, like we have scatter charts uh, at the athletic and some of the advanced stuff that that you we guys have use different to. metrics too, don't you? you? You use your own. Well, no, we don't have our own developed, but we have. Okay, I think uh, I think it is. Is it PFF? I'd have to go look and see. But we have scatter charts that rank, you know, you can put in different X and Y axis stuff. And Emerson graded really, really well on all of them. Right. And Newsom had a better year. I remember saying that on a show. I think I sent you guys a couple nuggets that, like, Newsom had a a much better year than what we thought he did if you want to go by the data. But Emerson, those numbers are compelling. Yeah. And, again, to me, he's in the conversation. That's good enough. That tells you you've got a young piece who and I think I think a lot of people, regardless of this list and regardless of the numbers, a lot of people probably look at him just as a mid round pick. It was only one year. Let's see what he does in year two. And that's fair. And it is fair. Yeah. And I think he's gonna have a monster year two, actually. I like, think he is too, especially in this system. Jim yes. Schw- I just feel like everybody is going to be better. I think Jim Schwartz has that sort of magic wand yeah. where his his system is gonna be so ingrained in their heads. 
And I do think that, you know, we always talk about great coaches put their players in the best positions to succeed based on their skill sets. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just think that Woods was asking these guys to do things that they're not necessarily good at doing. And he had many of them on the defense doing that. And as a result, you had a lesser product than you could have had based yeah. on the sum of the individual parts. And I just know, I mean, we don't have to relitigate all last year, but I know a lot of the <laughs> players were frustrated defensively, but nothing ever changed. Yeah. Like I had guys who had played on multiple systems and multiple schemes on other teams tell me when it's not working, change it up. Like, why don't we ever change anything? And that, and the players were really frustrated by that. I think you'll see that part change. I think the, I think the Browns are a little bit more adaptable <laughs> with who they brought in. I think they can play different styles. They can play different ways. You can see Zadarius and Miles and Oboe all on, in a, on same plays and giving defenses a different look. Uh, obviously, we'll be, they'll be nickel heavy at times. I just think that there's enough personnel package mix and matching now that they can really mix things up. Yeah, yeah. I, t I totally agree with all that. And I think for me, the fact that Jim Schwartz is an old school type of coach, you know, he was here with the original Browns and just everything that he's learned throughout his career, he knows how to keep football simple. He knows how to keep the language simple. He knows how to keep, okay, this is your job. This is what you're, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. Right. Instead of like just being too fancy, having guys out there overthinking. And when you overthink, you can't just instantly yeah. react to a play. And so I think everybody's going to be better this year as well. I think he, I think to me, MJ Emerson is getting slighted because he plays for the Browns. I really, I really feel that there's way. always something to that. Yeah. I and mean, you see that sometimes in Pro Bowl selections when teams underperform. The individual players are punished when it comes to awards. And just think about this, and we know this as fans, right? Anytime we put an expectation on a player or a team from Cleveland, they let us down. Right. And so maybe PFF might look at this situation like, okay, well, you know, he plays for the Browns. I don't know if I want to touch that. I'm not really sure about this team. Uh, who knows? But 15 passes, pass defenses last right. year, which was top six in the entire NFL, and the guys that's above him through 22 to uh, 25, only one guy had more pass defenses than he did. Wow. And so, like, again, just going off your own metrics, it was kind of a head-scratcher to why did you leave him off the list? And the only thing I could come up with, well, maybe it's because he played with the Browns because if you go off your own metrics, yeah, it, he's better than three or four guys you got on the list. That really is confusing. Yeah. You know, these are the numbers that you use as your holy grail to how, to, how, how you look at people how we should judge individual players. And then when it comes time for them to compare those players against one another, they're putting a player who, by their own numbers, ranks higher than them, and they're leaving him off the list. You know what would be interesting is to go through that whole list and look and see what their PFF grade was and see if they just slotted them. You know what I mean? Obviously, uh, there's players over the age of 25, but guys that are under 25, if they just took well, if they would if they would have done that, Emerson, Emerson would, be would be on the list. list. But I'm just wondering if there if there are other discrepancies like that, right? And the yeah, no, that's a data. good point. Was was Micah Parsons the highest graded player all year long in their 25? You know, in their 25 under 25, right? Got it. Yeah. And so he's number one. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, it's a good find by you though, because if you're going to put those numbers out individually for seasons. You would think that they would look at those numbers when it comes to grading those players against one another, yeah. Yeah. particularly those that play the same position, and they yeah. clearly in this case didn't do that. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Mike. You want yeah, something? I have an Emerson stat, and this is my favorite one. Me and Earl did a ton of digging into the numbers this morning to find out if he was snubbed and how you can make the case. So he was targeted 91 times last year, right? Right. The opposing quarterback rating against him in those 91 targets was 77.6. Mm. Now, with no context, you don't know what that means. 
Here's what it means. Well, we know what that means in, in context to a good well, quarterback well, Yeah, rating. so let, let me let me give they you the, him the into relative terms. <laughs> That's what that means. Yeah, they did. 70, uh, 32 quarterbacks last year right. had a 77.6 QB rating or higher, right. which means when QBs targeted Martin Emerson, they were essentially Kenny Pickett. So he turned every quarterback they played last year when being targeted into essentially the statistical version of Kenny Pickett, and I'll take my chances with Martin Emerson against Kenny Pickett 100 yeah. 100 No, that is a great stat, and it's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this Browns defense. We know the pieces they have in the back end of this defense. We know what Denzel Ward is. Mm-hmm. De- the only way I can explain Denzel Ward having a huge regression last year is it was, it was system-based. It just... He, for, you know, we talk about putting players in positions that where their strengths are are used to the team's benefit. Right. He was the guy that I just thought looked most underutilized or misutilized. So I, I just believe that the pieces there uh, in the back part of the defense are certainly there. And if you throw Ward in there and Emerson has the kind of season that we know he can, uh, I. I and new, we know what Newsom was, too. It's just like everybody took a step back last year. And I don't know how else to explain it other than Joe Woods. Yeah, well, this will be obviously everyone's chance to, after a shakeup, to, and this is a big prove-it year. for. I mean, we spent a lot of the show yesterday talking about it. It's a big, for guys like Grant Delpit, it's a big prove-it year. For yeah. guys like Greg Newsom, it's a big prove-it year. You know, you had a good rookie year. You took a step back your second year. Now it's time to reemerge. But again, I saw a lot of numbers after the season that Newsom wasn't nearly as bad as what we thought he was. Right. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, there was certainly it felt like there was plays out there to be made that yeah. were being made. Without using numbers and just using our eyes, there were just too many times yes. where Newsom wasn't where he was supposed to be yeah. and didn't make plays that we thought he should have just made. Just so many busts in the secondary. So many busts. That's what I always go to. And they got it cleaned up for a while, it felt like, and then it felt like it happened again. And the busts weren't just busts. They were like junior high busts yeah. where everybody's looking around going, were we running the same play? Three guys playing one coverage and two guys playing another. Like that should never that happen. Mostly happen. communication based. Yeah. We talking there it is the communication. How many times do we come on this show on a Monday after a Sunday game talking about all the DBs pointing at each other, saying this is your fault, this is your fault. Right. And again, the language was the language and the assignments was just too complicated. And I felt like the fact that Joe Woods just kept overcomplicating mm-hmm. the defense unnecessarily it created communication barriers. And clearly, they had a hard time getting over him. They did. We talk about Denzel. Denzel, to me, is better than man. This is when this dude. Can... I think so, too. But you can't play a man the whole game, can you? Or, or Depends not. on who he's matched up against. Yeah, I would right. say that. I wouldn't want to leave him in man up. against Gary Wilson for four quarters. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. No. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an ask. Yeah. To do that, to, you know, to put him on a one-on-one island with a top-ranked receiver, and he's usually going to be on the team's best receiver. Um, that's that's a big big ask, and uh, you can wear him out quickly doing it yeah, that way. That is very true. But you know, put him in a zone that you know that the guys can understand, and that he can he can play and still maximize his his talents. The one thing I guess to me, Mike, that jumped out was I, I'm wondering if the Browns now have crossed that threshold of being the young team that's on the rise. You know, yeah. like even though they never really got there. They, you know, we've heard so much about, well, they've got a lot of young talent. When Miles Garrett was under 25, well, Miles Garrett is one of the game's best young players. I guess at 25, you're no longer, or 26, you're no longer considered young. At that point, you're three or four years into the league, depending mm-hmm. on when you came out. And my, my question here off of this talking point is, is their window of opportunity right now? Like, we're, we're in it, it's underway, and we know these things don't stay open long. 
because they're no longer they no longer can be looked at as a team with a lot of emerging young talent. Based on this list, they don't have any of the game's best young players, perhaps besides Emerson. For me, I think the window is right now, and I think the only way that we can extend that window is if Deshaun Watson shows up in balls. Right. That's just how I look at it. You talk about Miles Garrett being in the prime of his career. Nick Tubb is in the prime of his career. Denzel Ward is in the prime of his career. Your core four or five players yeah. are all in the prime of their career, and they're all making a lot of money. You know, eventually, we talk about all the time, you can play with the salary cap and manipulate it as much as you want to, but eventually, you're going to have to pay the piper. And if we end There up, is a reckoning. Yeah, eventually, you're going to have to. So if we come to a point to where we get another season, two or three seasons down the line, and the product is still the same, then we've kind of missed out on our opportunity to capitalize on the Super Bowl with all this talent. Yeah. When, okay. you're, when you're trading draft picks for veterans, your window is right now. Yeah. Zedarius is, is, how old is Zedarius, 30? Yeah. Yeah. Dallin Tomlinson, I think, is 29. Uh, when, you, when you're signing veteran free agents, when you're signing, I don't think, you know, guys are going to fall off a cliff after this year, but 100%, they're in, they're in the window right your now. Your building blocks are no longer young, right. up and coming. Right. Your building blocks now are prove it, the guys that have already proved it around the league, yeah. and you're hoping they still have something left in the tank. Yeah, you've got you've got an aging veteran offensive line. You know, when you look at right tackle, when you look at left guard with Betonio and and Conklin, you know, you've got guys who've been around for a few years now, and and we've said it all offseason. There's so much at stake. It has to work. There's so much at stake on this season. They're all in. They're all in and on all Jay, of it. Jay, how long does the window last? I know it's different for every team, but the, 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 the NFL is built in a way where the bottom of the league and the top of the league should switch every five years or so. What is this window? Well, the window is, I agree with Earl, the window is the quarterback. You know, Burrow said it. I love what Burrow said at the end, toward the end of last season. As long as I'm playing, we got a chance. Right. And when you've got a franchise guy, your window's open. You, he, a, a true elite quarterback I, I'm not going to put a number on it. Top five, top six, top seven. I, I think this era is the best quarterback play we've ever seen in the history of the league. You like, do. I think if you if you go down the list of the top ten guys and comparing to the ten best from previous eras, I think these guys are better. Yeah. I, and so I just I, I don't know that top five quarterback means what it did in 1985. You know what I mean? Like I think it was easier to define the top five before. Now that top five seems to spill over into the top 10 and that's, maybe that's even point. the top 15. That's, yeah. my, that's my point. And, and that's ha- now you're talking about half the league right. have what they think is an elite quarterback. A top five quarterback. Yeah, There's, that's why I always said, to me, elite is the top three. Right. And why did I decide on the top three? Because that's 10% of the league's quarterbacks. And if you're going on a bell curve, and that's, what I, that's how I like to look at players, yeah. the bulk of the players are in the C grade. Sure. And then you have the fringes with the B's and the D's and the extreme fringes with the A's and the F's. And so for me, if I'm going to call you elite, I can't make a case for you being a top five because that's now almost 20%. Elite is top 10 and that's top three. And in my mind, the elite quarterbacks in this game are, are pretty easy to define. I think it's Burrow. I think it's Mahomes. I think it's Allen, although Allen is... Got an asterisk next to his name. Allen's wobbling. He is wobbling. I love Josh Allen. I do too in the regular season, but I need to see more. I need to see. This year we saw a regression with his picks. The elites don't throw picks. They don't kill you with the turnovers. 
So for me, really, right now, I think there's two slam dunks, Mahomes and Burrow. And outside of that, I think the discussion is open for number three, but there's probably five names you can start debating when it comes to who's four and five. Right. So, right. And for the Browns, and we, as we talk window and contention, how long is this window, they, they just need Deshaun to be back to what Deshaun was. That's all. Yeah. And that will give you a chance. He doesn't have to be top three. He doesn't have to be in that conversation you talked right. about. But he has to be in that top six, seven where – He certainly can't be what we saw last year. He has to be – you know what he has to be, and I just kind of thought of this, when when – and I don't want to keep talking about Baker, but when Baker had the ball with three minutes to go, I never felt like they were going to win the game. When you need one score and a guy to have it – Ultimately, moment, that was his undoing. That was his undoing. Because no one ever had confidence or faith when he threw the in pick, him in that situation. When he threw the pick at Kansas City <laughs> – Week one. Week one, yeah. I said – that's really bad. And I and people were going crazy on me. And I'm like, guys, it's on him. Like, I don't yeah. care what the numbers were for the first 57 minutes. Right. In the gotta-have-it moment, what do you do? And that's what, what Deshaun has to be the guy when you've got the ball with three minutes left and you're on your own 22-yard line, you're going to win the game. Yeah. You know you're going to win the game. And they're, you know, the guys that come If Mahomes is on the field, yep. Chiefs are going to win the game. And, and, and we know that. Yeah. yeah the guys in the past decades, Tom Brady – don't give them two minutes. Uh, Brett Favre, when he played, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, those were guys that could be B-plus for 55 minutes. Don't give but them the ball But they were extraordinary, A-plus, yep. eye-poppingly good in yep. the last five minutes. And Baker was never really extraordinary for the first 55 minutes. He was serviceable. But in the last five minutes, in the gotta-have moments, as you call them, he was shockingly Awful. bad. Awful. Let's just use Patrick Mahomes, right? I think Patrick Mahomes personally is in the elite class by itself. I think the two Super Bowls. I agree with that. The it's two Mahomes Super Bowls. So you don't uh, even want to put Joe Burrow in I there I think yet. Joe Burrow is in that next class of quarterbacks where probably where uh, Josh Allen and, and Jalen Hurst is. But I think Pat Mahomes is in the class by itself. So he is clear-cut number one, and then there's some other guys. There's some other guys. Okay. We, just, just the MVPs, the Super Bowl MVPs, the Super Bowl rings. But even with Pat Mahomes, we see him make bonehead throws and plays. We have. At certain moments of the game. But when it's crunch time, when it's winning time, and the Chiefs got the ball, everybody on this panel know he's going to drive down the field. He's going to get the Chiefs the points that they need necessary. Right. And they're going to come off victorious. It's a headline when Tom Brady didn't close a deal. Exactly. It was a headline. It still is when Mahomes doesn't close a deal. And it, it was a headline if Baker ever did pull out right. a win late. And it, like Michael didn't hit every game winning shot. We think he did. He no, missed no, more than he, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like and LeBron's missed too. Like they miss though in those moments and the top quarterbacks do miss. But when they get on the field, you absolutely believe they're going to win this game. The playoff and the game, guys on the defensive side know it too. They do know it. You can you can see the defeat when there's 32 seconds left and they're looking up. They're going, we gave them too much time. <laughs> well, do you remember the, the, Bills the, the, Bills the Bills in the playoffs gave the Chiefs 13 seconds and on the sideline they looked terrified. Greatest game I've ever seen. <laughs> I remember that. I still think that's the greatest football game seconds. I've ever seen. And, and you know, that kind of goes back to my point about quarterback play. Go back to the drive. <laughs> Browns fans thought that was over. They oh, were absolutely. on their own too. And there was a minute 50 to I, go. That's like six possessions today. <laughs> and it was John Elway. <laughs> He's right? an all-of-famer. But at the time, Browns fans are like, this is over. There's I only was, a minute 50 to go. I was go. trying to clear my schedule for the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. I really was. I'm like, this is going to happen. Think of how how much different the game is today. Oh, my gosh. A minute 50 today is literally three or four Literally, Patrick Mahomes has to watch the, you know, the, the – 
the, the NFL films is, I think it's on a loop somewhere. It's running yeah. somewhere, yeah. sometime, everywhere. He has to watch that and be like, that's celebrating? <laughs> <laughs> I'll score three times in that, in that round. <laughs> Come on, what are you doing? doing and what's, what's crazy is, and, and I don't know, I, help me. Was Deshaun Watson ever that dude in Houston? Like, It's funny you say that. So I was talking to someone with the Browns right after the trade. Uh, I was talking to someone uh, involved in the offense who said they were watching film of Deshaun in Houston, and I can't remember the game, but they had the ball going into the half on, like, the 35, and they went boom, 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 touchdown. Like, 30, 38 seconds. Pass over the middle, pass down the sideline, touchdown. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And a guy was talking to Lavin and said, we didn't have that in the playbook last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely I'm not. I'm going to tell you what did it for me. It was a playoff game. They were playing the Buffalo Bills. I think it's like a, a key third down or fourth down play. He drops back the pass, and edge rushers from both sides come. They collapse, and they hit him. Deshaun spins out of it. Mikey, you can find Oh, yeah, no, too. I remember that play. He's, that was kind of a signatory yeah, play for him. He spins out of it, boom, gets the first down. Next play, he, he throws the game when a touchdown. I've been a huge fan of Deshaun Watson since his Clemson day. He did that a lot at Clemson. Yeah, and so, for me, you know, and I, I really don't get these opportunities to talk about this, but when I seen him at Clemson, I think that was the same year we took uh, Deshaun Kaiser. And I remember telling my cousin, I said, I'm not tripping on that. Deshaun Watson is coming out next year. That's who we're going to draft. And I remember his coach calling him the Michael Jordan of football. Right. I think Deshaun Watson is a damn good player. I think he's a clutch player. And I think he has elite potential. Mm -hmm. And if he can overcome his hurdles and get back to, he said he wants to be better than what he was in Houston. And so if he can fulfill his own personal goals and potential, then the Browns window is as open as anybody else's who right. has a quarterback of that caliber. In to, their mid to late 20s. Yeah. To this day, Dabo and his wife love Deshaun, love him, speak yeah. glowingly of him. I don't know publicly how much they've said since he went through everything he went through. But Dabo and his wife just adore Deshaun Watson yeah. for whatever that's worth. To well, people. it's not just Dabo. Um, when you go to Clemson and you talk to people that have been around the program for a long time, and he's out. Obviously, when a guy's in, everybody's going to say all yes. glowing things. Right. And when they leave, they tell you what an idiot he was. You find out the truth yes. when they're gone. They're yes. like, you know, he was great on the field, but boy, did we have to put up with a lot of drama. Yep. You can go there today and you can talk to all kinds of people in that program and they all say the same thing about Deshaun Watson, an incredible human being, mm -hmm. kind, courteous, respectful, all of the things that you want, the adjectives that you want to be used about the guy who's representing your, your franchise. That's why it was such a dichotomy, like the, the, the Deshaun, Deshaun Watson that sort of emerged through the media mm -hmm. after all of these allegations. How can both of these things be true? Be true. And so somewhere in the middle lies the truth, as, as they say, and that's usually the case. But I love to hear you say that he has said he just doesn't want to get back to his old Houston Texans yeah, He days. wants to be better than that. He wants to be better. For me, that, that's, that's the kind of language I want to hear. I want him to be better. His best football should be in front of him. Well, given where he left off, he's got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go. I hope he packs some water. At this point, I just <laughs> hope he's a lot better than Deshaun Watson from the Browns last year. I'll say this. I set false expectations for myself, and I should have knew better. When you're, yeah. when you're not doing your job for over 700 days, and when, you're, when you have everything going on that you had going on off the football That's field. That's a lot. It's a lot to come back to just from a professional standpoint. But we don't know what the mental aspect of it was. Not just for him. You know, his mother had to watch his son go through all these different things. And, and the people that's close to him. And I'm pretty sure 
the disappointment or the embarrassment that they were experiencing sure. weighed heavy on him. And then because they they were answering for him in the public. By the way, he's got a girlfriend. Yeah, and so I'm just saying that this is good news. This is right. Well, no, I just mean like he had a girlfriend through all of that. Through all. Oh. So imagine the same girl every yeah. single night, every single day. Yeah, and it's, so and, and again, every time we have this discussion, I feel like I have to preface it with I'm not trying to excuse anything that he did, regardless of what he did or did not do. Michael Irvin said this. I never forget. Michael Irvin said. The worst part wasn't the arrest. The worst part wasn't the headlines. The worst part was walking in the door and looking at my wife. That wow. was the worst part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, he had to live that. Deshaun, regardless of what he did, he had to come home every day and deal with well, that. Well, the fact that she stood by him through all of that, she must believe him. Well, they ain't married yet. <laughs> from a football, Just saying. From a football like, standpoint, real talk. For, yeah, for as no. bad as it was, he still went three and three. Cool stat about Deshaun Watson, which I know you both know. He's never finished below five hundred in his career. So for even as as bad Wait, as that had, was, he, he was under five hundred for the Texans. They were three and they were three four and thirteen, and twelve or whatever. Well, yeah. well, yeah, that 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 year. His career record in Houston's twenty eight and twenty five. Okay, yeah. So, so so oh, so his career record, his you're yeah, saying his career record, his career record is yeah, it's twenty eight okay, and twenty five. Yeah, because he has had regular seasons where we, he clearly finished under five hundred. But for his career, his record, his win-loss record has not yeah. been below five. And I guess the only point I'm making to that is, if that was that bad, it, we can only go but up. Yeah, well, that, so. that's for sure. I mean, just watching his play, yeah. it can only get better. Go ahead, Mike. You guys mentioned, you know, Jason says, we think he could be a closer. I got two stats that, you know, we'll see what happens. But he's proven he is a closer. He has 31 career wins in the NFL. 31. He has eight fourth-quarter comebacks and 10 game-winning drives. So almost a third of his games, and that's a testament to that Houston yeah. not being very good defensively and him having to lead an offense to a late drive. But in third, in, in a third, essentially, of his career wins, he's had a fourth quarter comeback yeah, in a game-winning drive. That's impressive. I, the game-winning drive means more to me than fourth quarter comeback. Yeah, I mean, you could be down 17, 14, 14, 14 and score a minute right. into the fourth quarter. 14 that's to 13 in the goal. fourth quarter begins with you, you have the ball in the tank. But tank-y. the game-winning drives, that's that is the money stat. Yeah. That had, was the Brett Favre stat, the John Elway stat, yeah. the Tom Brady stat. He had five in 2018 when they went 11-5. and five. So essentially half their wins that year were fourth quarter comebacks. The following year in 2019, they went 10-5 and five in the games he started. He did miss one game that year. Also had five game-winning drives. So That's essentially huge. in a two-year stretch, half of the Houston Texans' wins were on fourth-quarter game-winning drives led by Deshaun Watson. I thought the Texans were going to the Super Bowl in 2019. I, and Browns players said I was crazy, and I was. But I remember talking to a couple of defensive players after they – I think they played Houston in 19. And I said, <laughs> I think that's going, that team's going to the Super Bowl. And they're like, you're nuts. No, they're not. But they're good. But I, that's how much I believed in Deshaun at one yeah. time. I thought the Texans were going well, to the Super Bowl. Well, the fact that if you're winning six and five games in the last – you know, on, on a game-winning drive, essentially, I think half of the teams – I think half of, half of the games for every team come down to the last couple of minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's what the NFL, the NFL is. The built that way. That's exactly it is right. built that way. Yeah. Even the Kansas City Chiefs who are the defending Super Bowl champions. You can look at their season last year. Yeah. There were a lot of games that were in the balance with three minutes to go. Yes. How many game That's, drives do you think Mahomes has in his career? Sorry to cut you off. Wow. I'm going um, to say 12 or more. Well, this could be misleading because right. they do have a lot of blowouts too. So Watson had 10 in comparison, and he had 31 career wins. I would say Mahomes has as many. 
Are we? Let's define game-winning drives. You got the ball last. You know what I mean? Like you got the ball last. I'm just going off with Pro Football Reference. According to Pro Football Reference, a game-winning drive must be an offensive scoring drive in the fourth quarter or overtime that puts the winning team ahead for the last time. So yeah, a legit game-winning drive. Uh, and he has 64 career wins. So out of 64, I think it's probably lower than you think. I, I they they have had enough blowout wins where it would probably be lower than I would say 15. I'm gonna say 12. Yeah, 14. You guys are right around there. So 14 of 64. He's never had five in a season. So now for context, what did Brady have for his career? Now I know he played for 20 years. Give me one sec. But it just seemed like when you watch Tom Brady in those situations and I'm not sure the year they went 15 (laughs) to one, they had a lot of blowouts, but it just seemed like Brady did it every other week. Yeah. And yeah. teams, and to your point, they'd give him the ball with 42 seconds left, and they'd cut away to the defensive coordinator, and he'd be like, <laughs> oh God, "Here we go again. Yep. Here we go." He had 58. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. and that's that's by <laughs> oh, far the most. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm gonna look up. Hold on, I'm gonna see if I can find drives. anything else. I wonder, like Montana back in the day, what he had, what he was. Yeah, in Montana would have. I, I don't even know if they kept that stat. Yeah, Peyton I, had 54. Peyton had 54. Peyton was another one. Yep. You know, and you knew it when you were playing them. You were looking at the clock as you were driving, and you don't know that you're going to score yet. So, you know, the, the, the whole line of thinking is just score. Don't worry about the clock. Score. Yeah. Can't win if you don't get take the lead. Yeah. But I would always look at the clock and say, if you kick it with 30 seconds left, the game's over. He's going to win. You can't give him 30 and, seconds. And you see that now. You see teams... Try to milk it. And, and you see teams letting you – when have we ever seen that before? Defenses, the Browns and Chargers. The Browns were pushing what? the Chargers into the end zone to get the right. ball back. That's right. We we gonna come score right now. that 30 years yeah. ago. <laughs> no, the game has changed. And Mikey said Montana had 28, and he was Joe Cool back in the day. He was the guy. He was the standard. For the game-winning drive. Yeah, he, he had was 28. And now Brady got, what, 64, he said? Doubled it. 58? He had 58, yeah. 58. 58. I mean, that's insane. That's just I can't insane. find anyone with Guys, for, for context, that's almost – Four full seasons of games that you won on your last drive. Yeah. I got the list. You want to hear the top ten? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom Brady, 58. Peyton Manning, uh, 54. Drew Brees, 53. Big Ben, 53. Ben was great in that spot, too. Dan Marino, 47. Matt Ryan, 46. Wow, Brett Matty Favre, Ice. 43. Matt Stafford, 42. Mm. John Elway at 40. And then tied for 11th, Johnny Unitas and Eli Manning at 38. Johnny Unitas making an appearance. Wow. Woo. Johnny, you. Your boy that's incredible, Eli. though. I, I, I honestly think that that's a great yardstick for separating the true Hall of Famers, the, the true, you know, because we talk, if, if there are three elite at any one time in the league, mm-hmm. then what what is our sample size of elite of all time? Is it 10? Is it 15? And if you do it, either way, you're leaving some great ones on the cutting room yeah, floor. Yeah. Marino, I don't even think, was in that list. Yeah, he was. Oh, was he? he? he Marino was in yeah, that Yeah, Marino list? was fifth, 47. Oh, okay, okay. The one that surprised me was Drew Brees. I don't know why it did. It shouldn't have surprised me. Well, Brees. But has, I wasn't expecting him to be Brees that high. Hasn't Brees thrown for more passing yards than anyone than, except for Brady? I think Brady just passed yeah, him. Brady yeah, Brady passed second. him. But I think when Brees retired, I think he was, they were right there yeah. with one another. Yeah. And by Brady's sticking around a little bit longer than Breeze. He mm-hmm. broke the record eventually, but we need to have just 
we're going to have six to seven, eight games. Yes. That with five minutes to go, it's anybody's game. We need Deshaun Watson to be him. And he had that game against the Saints, and you joke who dropped it. Hit him right here. You're right. He Hit did. Him right. How much different is the conversation around that game if Njoku catches the ball? If Not he holds just on that to that game, but Watson's body of work. And now yeah. instead of three and three, he's four and two. Four and two. Four and, two. And, you let him, and you extrapolate that out over a season, and now you're looking at ten and seven. And he led him to a win in the worst weather conditions of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, it like, is a much different. The whole narrative about Deshaun, I think, changes a little bit. And he did his job. He hit Njoku right here, and David dropped. And the ball. I think he had one in Cincinnati. I think it would have been a game tying touchdown to Donovan Peoples Jones. And DPJ dropped Is it. Is that the one that he, in the corner, the yeah, high was, point, yeah. that he kind of flubbed? Yeah, yeah so, I, I mean, that. you're right. You got a couple guys that actually That's go out here That's what this game plays. is. It's a game of ifs, inches, yeah. one play you went on the margins. there. You win on the margins in the NFL more than any other sport. You do, and I agree with that. In fact, if you go back and look, last year, the Browns, you know, you if you change the outcome of one play, they could have had four more wins. And you could probably do it the other way, the too. Other way. Change the outcome of four plays the other they way, and they probably Carolina. have four more losses. They stole Carolina. They, they stole absolutely Carolina. stole Carolina. Yeah. So what the league is, is a league. Uh, the, the, the teams that rise to the top are the teams that execute and perform in the last three to five minutes. He's been that guy. He was that guy at Clemson for sure. And he's been that guy during the course of his NFL career prior to coming to Cleveland. We need to get back to that clutch late play. Yeah. And I think the pieces are there. When you look at the roster, you can't look at this roster and say that this is anything but a playoff roster. The the talent is there now. The names are there. It's just somebody's got to put it in a blender and mix it all up, and there's got to be flour in there to hold it all together, and they should be a playoff team. Zach Jackson and I, my partner at The Athletic, did a recorded podcast yesterday, and I said, and he corrected me, and I think he's right, I said no team in the NFL has a higher – ceiling and the lower floor this year than the Browns and he put the Chargers in there and I said yeah I'd probably agree with that like the Browns could go 11 and 6 12 and 5 and people would say yeah well they have the talent we kind of saw that coming they could go 5 and 12 everybody's fired by October and you go yeah it's the Browns yeah kind of saw that coming I think that's a great comparison when I look at both of these teams bunch of talented players still question marks if it's a good team yeah you know and sometimes just because you have a talented group it doesn't always equal. Well, we, we've a seen good that team. a ton. I mean, so. we saw it last year for sure. We saw it with Jarvis and and Beckham. Yeah. You know, the, the, when you looked at the roster, we had folks running around town in August saying this team's going to win a Super Bowl yeah. or at least go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And they underperformed woefully. All right. Um, OTAs are on the uh, docket next. 